the well here at STSA. Good morning and welcome. My name is Father Anthony. It's great to see so many people here today. We are kicking off a new series in the well, which as you see up there on the screen is called No Big Deal. And one of the things that we always say about the well is we are hoping that this is an ordinary place where extraordinary stuff happens every week. And that's what happens when ordinary people go to an ordinary place, but they meet an extraordinary God. It's great stuff happens. And I'm really praying that that happens in this series. Now, what we're going to be talking about in this series is a subject that on the surface doesn't seem very exciting, doesn't seem like something very much I want to talk about. But some, you know how sometimes the things that you need to talk about aren't what you want to talk about? Well, this is like one of those subjects. Because what we're going to be talking about is everyone's favorite subject, sin. Woo! <laughs> let's talk about sin, not let's do sin, okay? But let's talk about sin. And what we want to talk about, as you see, the message, the title of today's message is, Whatever Happened to Sin? In 1973, there was a book written by a psychiatrist named Dr. Carl Menninger. And the name of that book was Whatever Became of Sin. And basically, his basic premise of the book, he was taking a look at, at the United States of America back in the 70s, and he was looking at what happened to our morals and our values and our ethics. And he had seen how the country, what in his opinion, was going down ethically and morally. And he was saying his opinion as to why he thinks that has taken place. And his basic premise of the book was that we stopped taking sin seriously and we started excusing it as an everyday part of life. And one of the things that he says in the book is this. He says, the very word sin, which seems to have disappeared, was once a proud word. It was once a strong word, an ominous and serious word. But that word went away. It has almost disappeared, the word along with the notion. Why? Doesn't anyone sin anymore? Does anyone even believe in sin anymore? And in the rest of his book, he goes on to talk about, he did like a study, and he wanted to study all the speeches from this country's National Day of Prayer. You know, the National Day of Prayer where they all get together and they talk about different things. And he wanted to look at the speeches, and he kind of examined the transcripts from there, and he was comparing them to what speeches, national speeches, would have looked like in biblical times, what would it look like when Solomon gathered all the people or David gathered all the people or when John the Baptist spoke in front of all the city? And most of those messages were all about repentance from sin. But he looked at the different speeches and the transcripts and what he saw is that the last time, this is in 1973, he wrote this, the last time sin was mentioned in any speech, any national speech was the year 1953. And that was by, by uh, President Eisenhower, who actually was not even saying it. He was quoting an earlier speech from Abraham Lincoln in 1863. So what Menninger wrote, he's, this was 40 years ago he wrote this, that we as a nation officially ceased from sinning some 20 years ago, apparently. How about today? How are we as a society with regard to sin? Again, not the doing of. That we're experts, and we invent new ways to do it all the time. But I mean in terms of our view towards sin. Like, I'll be honest, as I'm reading what he's writing right here, I can, I can understand this. I can see this. This is our society today. We very rarely talk about sin. What we talk about instead is what? Help me out. We don't say it's a sin. It is a struggle or a weakness or something that I'm just going through a time right now. 
We have all these different words for sin except the word sin. Well, let's ask ourselves the question. Is it a struggle? Some people would say, you know, I struggle with gossip at work. It's a struggle of mine. Really? Where's the struggle? Because struggle implies there's some kind of fight. But what I see is you just walk over to Susie's desk and say, did you hear what happened to so-and-so? So where's the struggle exactly that's taking place in that? Some people would say, you know, I have a weakness. I'm a critical personality. I have a weakness. I tend to criticize my boss, my spouse, my parents, my kids. It's a weakness of mine. Oh, really? I didn't know that that was like a genetic predisposition that some people have to just criticizing and seeing the negative thing around. If it is, I got it just like everybody else. But I didn't realize that you could claim that that's a genetic thing. And if it is, and really it's your weakness, any other weakness that you have, you're probably trying to make stronger. So how are you working on that? Where's, where's the struggle in it? How about lying? And I have this weird definition of lying. Lying is not telling the truth. That's my weird definition. So when we, we don't lie, we just exaggerate. We don't lie, we embellish. We don't lie, we just don't wanna hurt anyone's feelings. And then even if we do lie, what kind of lie is it, everyone? It is a white lie. I don't know what that means. We stopped calling sin, sin, and we made up all these excuses. Here's the problem, is that when you water down sin, I said this last week in the sermon, when you water down sin, you water down forgiveness. When you water down sin, you water down forgiveness. When you make little of the crime, you make little of the forgiveness of the crime. So we walk around and say, these days, no one ever says, I commit adultery. What we say is, I struggle with lust. I struggle with purity. We don't say anymore that we gossip. We just say, you know, we vent. Or better, we share prayer requests. <laughs> what we have done is re we redefine the word sin. And the way we use sin, if you study your own words, sin means big things that other people do. And the things that we do are just weaknesses or flaws, or like I said, struggles. Well, I don't think that's a biblical view of sin. And as I said, if you water down sin, you water down forgiveness. If you make light of the problem, you make light of the solution. Someone who walks out of the hospital got cured of cancer, okay, but thinks that he just had a cold, that person is gonna walk out and he's going to make very light of the work that the doctor did to get him out of the hospital on his own two feet. If all you think that you had was a cold, all you think you had was a, was a slight stomach bug, you're gonna walk out of that hospital not thinking very much of the doctor who got you out of there. Well, that's the same thing with us. As much as we classify our sins as small, we make forgiveness small. Our sins as minor, we make forgiveness minor. Our sins as no big deal then forgiveness is therefore no big deal. And that's not the theology that I know. That's why I say the name of this series, no big deal? No, big deal, big deal. Let me ask you a question. If I go online today and I share all the secrets about a person, I say, here's what this person did, here's what this person did, here's what this person did, that's a big sin. But what if I just go to lunch with one person and say the exact same thing? Is it a lesser sin? Is somehow the sin less? If I lie to you to deceive you and rob you 
and, 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 and steal your car, or steal your wallet or steal whatever, that's bad. But what if I lie to you, or I shouldn't say lie, if I slightly exaggerate just to make myself feel better about myself? Is one worse than the other? Is one better than the other? If I come to you and I just walk up to you and punch you in the face, we would all say that's bad. But what if I never walk up to you, I'm behind your back the whole time, and I'm just taking verbal jabs at you. Jab after jab after jab after jab. And then you would say, what are you doing? I'd say, hey, uh, JK, just kidding. Didn't mean it. NBD, no big deal. No big deal. Because what I say is that there is no such thing as minor sins. There is no such thing as a smaller and bigger. There's no such thing as, watch this one, acceptable and unacceptable sins. We look at that guy and this public figure as unacceptable sins. But mine, we put him in a different category. Well, that's not the Bible's view. James chapter 2, verse 10. This is, a, this is a tough verse. James chapter 2, verse 10 says, Whoever shall keep the whole law, yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. There's an uplifting and positive message for your Sunday afternoon. Whoever shall keep the whole law, yet stumble in one point, is guilty of them all. You see, we oftentimes, watch, we're going to change our paradigm right here on sin and God's law. We oftentimes refer to God's commandments as God's laws. We refer to God's laws. But James referred to it as God's law. We think of laws where there are, like in society, there are different crimes and every crime has a different value, a different weight. So like embezzlement is different than lying to your friend. Uh, 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 murder is worse than like a parking violation. We think of there's some that are bad and some that are medium and some like felonies and misdemeanors. And that's what we think in terms of laws. There are bad ones and then really bad ones. So if I talk trash about someone who is a bad guy, shouldn't do that. But if I talk about a good guy, that's worse. We create this value system. That's how society works. But James speaks about all sin as equal in the eyes of God because he doesn't speak about laws he speaks about a law. God has a law singular and it may have many facets to it, but is a seamless whole. So if you break any part of it, you break it. Murder is bad. Lying is bad. Stealing is bad. But gossiping is also just as bad. Complaining is also just as bad. Criticizing is also just as bad. Slightly exaggerating is also just as bad. Harboring resentment and bitterness is also just as bad. In God's eyes, they are the same. Because if you break one law, you break them all. Now, that doesn't sound very uplifting. doesn't sound very encouraging. And if we're honest, it doesn't sound very fair. How can it be fair, Father Anthony? You're saying somebody mass murderer and somebody else just slightly exaggerated on the social media? And it's the same? You're saying one guy is doing drugs and is addicted to this and is killing people and hurting people and, and, and cheating on his wife and, and, and sleeping in sermons, like very bad things, <laughs> like the worst. And another guy just, you know, he vented to his wife and he may have slipped and just like, that's the same? That can't be the same. How can that possibly be fair? Well, we have to understand this, okay? This is, okay, an important point that you understand and it's about this idea of consequences. Let me ask you a question. 
are the consequences for every sin the same? Who say yes, who say no? Who say yes, consequences for all sin is the same? Who say no, consequences are not the same? For those who said yes, consequences are all the same. So somebody who murders, there's consequences for that. But someone who lied, same consequences for that? For those who said no, they're not all the same. You're saying that God looks at one worse than the other? So God sees? Well, here's the answer. There's two kinds of consequences. There's earthly and spiritual consequences. While the earthly consequences of sin may differ, for sure, the spiritual consequences are the same. And this is a paradigm shift. The earthly consequences absolutely differ. And if you murder, there are much greater consequences for that than telling a lie to your mother. If you, example I always give, if you lie, what are the consequences of lying? Well, it kind of depends who you lie to. If you lie to me, that's bad. If you stand in front of the Supreme Court of the United States of America and lie, that's much worse. You will have much greater consequences for that. If you push someone here and after church and you run into someone and knock them down, that's bad. If you run into the president or the first lady or the pope or someone like that and knock them down, those are much greater consequences for pushing somebody down depending on who they are. So the earthly consequences for sure differ, for sure. But don't let that make you be convinced that the spiritual consequences do because the spiritual consequences for every sin, lie to me, lie to Supreme Court, push me, push first lady, whoever it may be, the spiritual consequences are the same. And the spiritual consequences of every sin is Romans chapter six, verse 23, the wages. Wages, another way of saying consequences. The result of all sin is, say it with me, the wages of sin is death. Because sin is separation from God. And God is the source of life. So anytime you are separate from the source of life, there is death. And that's big sins and little sins. That's the ones that people know and people don't know. That's the acceptable sins of society and the unacceptable sins of society. The consequences, earthly, absolutely they differ. The spiritual, it is the same. There's no wiggle room in this word sin right here. Any violation of God's law is death. And I'll even go a step further. I'll say this, that of the big sins and the little sins, I think the little sins are more dangerous. I think the, little, the ones we classify as little are more dangerous. You know why? Because the most dangerous enemy that you have is not the one that you can see in front of you, but the one who is picking your pocket right behind your back that you cannot see. It's the hidden one. Here's our theme verse for this series. It comes from Song of Songs, chapter two, verse 15. It says, catch us the foxes, the little foxes, them little foxes that spoil the vines for our vines have tender grapes. What Solomon is saying where he's giving us an analogy of a, of a man who has like a vineyard. And he's saying, I'm not worried about an elephant stomping over my vines, my vineyard, because an elephant rumbles and stumbles and bumbles and I'll see him a half mile in advance and I'll pull out my arrow and I'll shoot him right in the eye and he'll be okay. The elephant is scary and he's big and he's strong, but he's not really a threat because any idiot can see him coming a mile away. Like you'd have to be really, really, really out of it to let an elephant sneak up on you and surprise attack. Oh no, I didn't see the elephant coming. I didn't hear him. Like you gotta be really in bad shape if that's you. Who's the dangerous one? The dangerous one is when you're over here watering this one, a little and he snuck in there, a little fox. 
And you go to catch him, he's gone. That's not a big deal. And you go over and, and it's them little foxes, them little foxes that are much more dangerous because they're the ones that are hidden. This series, six-week series, starting today is kind of the intro overview, starting next week. We're going to look at five foxes in our spiritual life. Little guys, cute little ones that kind of look like little dogs, so you kind of want to pet them. And you say, it's not that big a deal. It's just little foxes. We're going to talk about a little fox called complaining. It's just it's the complaining. That's how little foxes, and they'll steal you. Talk about criticizing. Talk about lying. Talk about gossiping. Talk about everyone's favorite, resentment and bitterness. Little foxes, little sins, the acceptable sins of society. Very few people, they say, they view themselves as a bad person or a sinful person because they complain or they criticize or they slightly exaggerate. But we're gonna see over the next five weeks. So those might be the most deadly sins there are. And we're gonna see how we can address each and every single one of them. Because I want you to see every sin, every little fox as a little cancer. Just a little cancer. Like how, what's the big deal if I give you just, look, I'm just gonna give you a couple little cancers. Not like the big ones, not like, you know, the, 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 the brain ones or the, the you know, the, 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 the pancreas ones or the whatever it may be. Just a little, you know, I'm not a medical as you can, I'll just give you a little wrist cancer, okay? Just a little bit in your wrist. I think it's not that big a deal. Or a little pinky toe cancer. I'm just gonna put a little bit right there. I'm just gonna leave it right, it's just a little bit of cancer. Right? Or think about it, something I know better is, is eating and drinking. I know that. So I'm just going to put a little bit of poop in your coffee. Just not that much poop. I'm just going to put a little bit of poop. Just like this much poop. Okay? It's not that big a deal. Okay? Just one drop of toilet water. That's all it is. Okay? Just going to put one drop. Is any amount of cancer acceptable? No. Is any amount of poop in your drink acceptable? No. Any amount of toilet water in your, in your coffee? No. None is acceptable. Any little amount defiles the whole thing. One drop of poop, the whole thing is gone. One little thing of cancer, you may not see it. It may not be affecting you, but you're not dumb enough to think that that little cancer won't soon become a little bit bigger cancer, and then a medium-sized cancer, and then a large cancer, and eventually kill you. Sin is the same way. That's why there are these strange verses in the New Testament. Maybe you've read some of these verses, maybe not understood them because they don't make sense in our context today. There's a strange verse, for example, that says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Jesus said, let no corrupt word, not like half and half. He said, no, meaning zero, no wiggle room. In that same passage, Jesus also said, for every idle word man may speak, he shall give account of it in the day of judgment. Every idle word. He didn't say, well, if your boss is having a bad day and goes, then you can have some idle words. He said, every idle word. There's another one St. Paul said. He said, let all bitterness, let all bitterness be put away from you. Let all malice, all bitterness, all envy, all anger, all evil speaking. You know the Greek word for all. You know what it means? It means all. So when St. Paul says all, he means all, all bitterness, all evil speaking, all anger, all wrath, no wiggle room. Our goal is going to be in this series how to figure out these small sins, these what we call small, and figure them out and come up with a plan to address them. Because it only takes a little leak to sink a big ship. And it only takes a little sin to kill any man or woman of God 
No matter how big and strong and mighty they may be, it only takes a little sin. Now, in order for us to, to have a, a fruitful discussion about sin, we have to first come up with a definition for what sin means. All right, and again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change maybe your way of thinking. Usually we think of sins as bad things that we do, offenses against another person or against God, something bad that we do. And because of that definition, then bad is kind of like a you know, subjective term. So it wasn't really that bad. Like I, I exaggerated the truth, but it was, no one got hurt. It was a victimless crime. So it's really not bad, so it's kind of subjective. Well, that's not at all how ancient Christians and Orthodox Christianity to this day has ever thought about sin. The view of sin is completely different in the modern context that we live in today versus what our church has taught us for years and years and years and years and years. That sin, the definition, the word sin at its root means literally missing the mark. That's what the word sin means, to miss the mark. Sin means that there's a target, X marks the spot somewhere, and any, tar any shot outside of that mark is, is, is sin. Anything that doesn't hit the bullseye is sin. They say, that's kind of harsh, isn't it? Well, let's think of it a different way. Let's say you're trying to find a treasure chest. X marks the spot. That seems kind of closed-minded that only you can get it at X. Well, what if I get here? Or what if I'm here? Like, if here, I'm better than the guy here, right? Or I'm better than the guy over there, right? Okay, but e either you're on the X or you're not. Like, you don't, get, you don't get points for being close to it. It's not like there's a million dollars here, and then like a half million here, then like a quarter million, then some, you know, compensatory prize over there. Like, either you're on the X, and you get the prize, or you're not on the X, and you missed it. If you missed it by a foot, or by 10 feet, or by 100 feet, like, that's the only spot that the treasure is. And that's how we understand sin to be. Anything outside of the mark is sin. So what's the mark? Who's the mark? Romans chapter eight, verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. The mark is not a spot. The mark is not a law. The mark is not a, a set of rules. The mark is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. Who is God, 100% God, but took flesh and became man so he could show us the mark. And he's saying, this is what you're aiming for. And your goal is to think like Christ, to talk like Christ, to treat your mom like Christ treated his mom, treat your enemies like Christ did, to deal with anxiety the way he did. Our goal is to reach the mark, which is Christ, and anything outside of Christ is sin. So it doesn't matter if it's a big sin, or a little sin, or a far sin, or an acceptable sin. If it ain't Christ, it's sin. It's missing the mark. You see how this is different than we view? You see how, you see, you see how the, the fundamental mindset difference? See how the, the paradigm shifts here? We think in terms of how far can I go and still get away with it? I'll give you the classic example. Purity. When it comes to purity, single people, and married people too, but let's just stick with single people. The, the common thought that we all had, come on, I was a kid too, I had the same thought. We all had the same thought. How far can I go until I do something really bad and I'm gonna get in trouble? Like how far can I go sexually without you know, crossing the line? And for some people, the line meant virgin and not virgin. And then some people, 
At least in my high school, but yours were very creative and how to like get to that line and tiptoe the line and like peek over the line, but never cross the line. And you say, look, didn't sin, didn't cross the line, but you missed the mark. So is the goal, how far can I get without crossing the line? Or is our mindset, how pure can I be? How can I get more pure? How can I become more like Christ? Not what's acceptable, think about it in terms of our health. Hey doc, how fat can I get before I'm in serious trouble? Like how overweight can I be until like I'm worried I'm gonna have a heart attack? That's not the proper approach. If that's your approach, you will not be successful. The proper approach is, hey doc, how can I get in better shape? What can I do to get more towards an idea? I got cholesterol, how can I take that down? Or I, I got you know, body fat, how do I take that down? How, you know, like, what can I do to take positive steps in the right direction? That's always been the mindset of the church and of, of, of the scriptures. The question is not, is this wrong? That's how we think. Is it wrong or not wrong? The question is, is it Christ-like? Think of it, again, not a line. Think of it like a mountain with Christ at the top of the mountain. And all of us are on different spots on that mountain. Doesn't matter where you are on the mountain. The goal is take a step further up that mountain, whatever it may be, whatever it may be, wherever you may be are on, on that mountain, the goal is to take a step in this direction. And the goal is to not go this direction. So somebody who is going this direction, regardless of where they, they may have started right here, but they're sliding this direction, that's a sin. And someone over here on this side says, I would love to get to that spot. But you know what, as long as he's going this way, he's in good shape. Because the goal is, how can I get closer to the top of that mountain? And the top of the mountain is Christ. How do I think like Christ? How do I talk like Christ? How do I treat others like Christ? How do I pray like Christ? How do I surrender like Christ? How do I believe in, like Christ? How do I treat others the way Christ? Every step towards Christ is good. Every step away from Christ is sin, is missing the mark. Now that's a pretty high bar I just set. That's a pretty high bar. And the initial reaction to hearing that may be to get a little bit discouraged. Maybe you say, I don't know if I can ever get there. Well, think about your life this way. Your life, I'm not saying we gotta get there by lunch. I'm saying you got your whole life and your goal of your life is to get to that top of that mountain. Every day, we just wanna take a step. So I'm not saying to remove all your, 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 your problems today or tomorrow. What I'm saying is, this, let's, again, we're gonna discuss five, but it could be in whatever area. I struggle with complaining. I know that's not how Christ was. I know Christ wasn't that negative. I know Christ wasn't as critical as I am. I know Christ didn't harbor resentment the way I do. I know that for sure. So my goal is how can I baby step in the right direction? That's all I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to jump to the end. I'm just trying to step in the right direction. And that's what we're doing here in this series. That's what we do in this church, to be honest, is how can I step in that right direction? And every little bit helps. Every little bit helps, but also here's the bad news of every little bit helps. Every little bit hurts as well. Think about it this way. Think about if I am driving a rocket ship, a spaceship, and I'm trying to get, you know, like to this target, you know, a billion miles away. And it's like, you know, longitude, you know, 758 degrees or whatever, I don't know, whatever it may be. Yeah, you have these exact coordinates, the longitude and latitude, and I'm trying to go to this place. And I got this rocket ship and it's supposed, to, let's go this way, so it's straight. I'm supposed to get right there. And let's say I'm just one degree off, just one degree. Not like a million degrees, not like that. Probably not a million, it's probably 90, okay, but 
So I'm not like 90 degrees off. I'm not 180. Like I used to be 180, going the wrong direction. And then I was over here. And now I'm like pretty much heading the right direction. I'm just a one degree off. It's just one degree, right? Is that one degree a big deal? Well, it's not a big deal if I'm going from here to the door, but it is a big deal if I'm going from here to Mars because one degree over the course of a million miles can get you in a lot of trouble. Said another way, small deviation over a long period of time equals major trouble. Strong, small deviation over a long period of time equals major trouble. You have a temper. And it's just like this much temper, just this much. But let's say next year, it's a little bit more. And then unaddressed next year, a little bit more. And then a little bit more. Extrapolate the line out for me. Where's your temper gonna be when you have children? Where's your temper gonna be when you have teenage children? Where's your temper gonna be when it's just you and your wife and it's just you two locked away in some house, empty nesters by yourself? Where's that temper gonna get you? You struggle, you're not like, like committing adultery, but you're just a little flirty. Just a little flirty, just a little fun around the office, just a little flirty. You're a little flirty today, be a little flirtier tomorrow, a little flirtier the next week. Like, where's that gonna go? Where's the end of it? Like, draw the line for me. Because in what may not seem like a big deal today, slight deviation, if you extrapolate the lines out, is quite a big deal. Like, let's be honest, let's go back to our physical health. A lot of us are struggling today with our physical health, not because of one major, like we pigged out one Saturday morning and we just, that was it. Like we were, you know, tip top shape and then that Saturday morning and at Denny's buffet, like that was it. We are where we are because we made a small deviation and it was over the course of a long time. I actually just read this the other day. I can't believe this is true, but it probably is true because it was on the internet. So everything on the internet has got to be true. It said that if the average American, the average American were to forego eating French fries, and instead eat an apple. Every time an average American ate French fries, just eat an apple instead, the average American would lose 10 pounds in one year from that one small decision. Now, of course, it's a big decision because we all love our French fries. Small deviation, long period of time, major trouble. And the same is true spiritually. So let me ask you this. Let me now spin it in a positive way. Who knows what your life would look like if you just adjusted one degree back this way? Who knows? You complain all the time. You make a big deal out of everything. Like nothing gets by you. Who knows? If you just adjust back that one degree, might bring peace into your home. You might lower your anxiety level. You might be able to pray for more than 10 seconds without getting distracted. Like who knows? Maybe you're a criticizing person. Who knows that instead of being criticizing, if you just shifted just this one small paradigm shift in your mind and you just try to be an encourager, instead of a criticizer, you try to encourage people to fix themselves, not criticize them. Who knows what that could do in your relationships? Who knows what that could do in, 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 in your children and where they end up 10 years from now? Like who knows? Small deviation, long period of time, major trouble or major positive. Who knows what a little word, just a little word, three little words, but the main one is in the middle, of I forgive you. Who knows what that little word could do for you? It could do for your blood pressure. It could do for your family tree going forward and the future. Who knows what it could do for Thanksgiving 10 years from now? That little word, I forgive you. Who knows? 